You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host Greg Eel, the Culture Change Agent. You already know on this show we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation of leaders, man. I just want to say, man, I thank y'all. The last two episodes, or rather the first two episodes of season six have been groundbreaking. I'm talking about multi-platinum. I'm looking at these download numbers, and I don't even look at stats like that, but I'm just getting excited, man. Y'all really love the content. We took three months off, and y'all stayed true, man, and I'm excited for that, and I'm grateful because guess what? In a couple months, we got brand new shows popping off on the Minority Trailblazer Podcast Network, giving y'all a political spin, got the mental health thing popping off, we got a uh, a religious show popping off, we got On Code popping off, man, we're going to have Monday through Friday rocking, and we're going to have y'all crying, we're going to have y'all laughing, we're going to have y'all digging deep, man, Minority Trailblazer Network is on the run, and yo, man, I just really can't wait to bring y'all the content we've been working on. And I really can't wait to get on the road this year. Yes, yes, yes. Charlotte, North Carolina, we coming June 1st. Atlanta, Georgia, June 8th. D.C., June 15th. Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, July 13th. July 20th, Chicago, San Fran, or Seattle, July 27th, Brooklyn, New York, well, Brooklyn, that August 3rd, August 10th, New Orleans, and then we shutting it down August 24th in Durham, North Cackalack, man, so... I'm gonna be the, the ticket information is gonna be out shortly, man. So I can't wait to share with y'all. And I'm gonna make should I make the announcement now about the cost of this uh this tour? Not yet. We ain't ready yet. We ain't ready yet, man. Uh, last thing I want to share: I will be hiring summer interns. So if you are a collegiate student out there looking to work around 15 to 20 hours, get your hands um, dirty because we're gonna be doing a lot of work, man, on the road. Fixing the shows, all this other stuff, man. Definitely holler at your boy. Uh, shoot me an email, greg at greggyhill.com, or just comment on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, man. Reach out, show your, shoot your resume, and we're going to get it popping. Also, too, we will start putting out some stuff for a team of individuals that will be working with me at these select cities. So if you're interested in helping out the Minority Trailblazer movement, please let, let it be known. Also, if you're a part or work with a corporate company that's looking to sponsor this initiative, man, because we we're, our goal is really hefty. We're working in the trenches right now. We got our sponsorship deck popping. Shout out to to Mike Farrell, man, and the team. Shout out to Sidney Evans and the team. We working, man. 
So if you got any leads, man, hit me up, greg at greggyhill.com, man. We coming live and direct. We're going to have around 75 plus at each and every stop. And it's going to be crazy, man. I can't can't wait to share what we got in store, man. But that's all I got on this thing. I'm talking about this interview is legendary. For all my people that are interested in real estate, for all my people that still got a dream, for all my people that's holding on to that dream, but they want to give up and let go, this is the podcast for you. And uh, that's all I really got right now, man. I'm not going to give no more. Oh, one more thing. Man, should I even put this out there? I gotta, cause if I put it out there, I got to be held accountable because I got thousands of people across the country listening to this. But I don't care, man. Yo, Greg E. Hill on YouTube. I've been dormant on YouTube for well over a year, man. And that's coming towards an end, man. Because I told y'all, April 20th, we're launching my next album, The Thrive Print Volume 1. It'll be on all platforms. Um, it's going to be a full motivational album, not just snippets. It's going to be like, 10 12 minute tracks maybe a 20 minute track here and there it's going to be real soulful man but um, i'm gonna do a 365 challenge and for the next year uh, monday through friday not on the weekends for the most part i'm going to be producing motivational content inspirational content all that good stuff sometimes it'll be a straight motivational message sometimes it may be an interview sometimes it may just be a thought i don't know but I'm going to challenge myself every single day for a whole year to give you content, man. It's going to be dropping every single morning. I'm a, It's going to be around like 7, 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. one of those times, man. So if you're looking to get pumped up, get motivated, stay on code and frame, all that good stuff each and every day for the next year, man. Um, definitely check me out. YouTube.com backslash Greg Hill T. V. That's where you're going to find all the newest and latest content. And also, too, interact with me on social media, man. Instagram backslash Greg E. Hill. We got a lot of stuff coming in the pipeline. I can't wait. And I'm going all in, man. I need you to go all in with me, man. So that's all I got, man. I'm going to throw it to the show. Uh, make sure you keep sharing this thing with a friend. And make sure you get ready because we coming to a city near you. So all that being said, enjoy the show. I'm excited. I'm really pumped up, because This is a guy that I met through. Shout out, first of all, shout out to Sam Lucas, man. Out there, ATL, wealth broker, finance guru, holding it down, man. I met him last year on the Minority Trailblazer tour and in ATL. So shout out to all my ATLians for holding me down when I was in tour and all that good stuff at the gathering spot. Matter of fact, shout out to gather spot. Y'all boys out there, I see y'all Ebony 100 doing y'all thing. And matter of fact, I'm going to get y'all on the podcast sometime next year again. So shout out to ATL. Shout out to the gathering spot. Shout out to Sam Lucas because a couple episodes ago, probably like 10, 20, uh, probably like 10 episodes ago, I shared with y'all about a 30-day challenge I was putting together. And Sam was one of the first people to not only sign up for the 30-day challenge, but to shoot his friend a memo and say, hey, my boy G Hill was doing this thing. I think it'd be a good look if you signed up for the challenge. He signed up for the challenge, man. Hopefully he got some things from the challenge. And we just continue to report because he's doing some phenomenal things in real estate, but also as well has a phenomenal story. And one thing that really surprised me because he was like, yo, I really don't, yo, G, I really don't do the video thing or, or anything of that nature, man. But I'm going to do my best. I'm going to shoot something to it. And I was like, all right, cool. So I went on the Facebook group and this dude said some deep stuff in like a couple minutes. And I was like, dang, like what you mean you don't do it all the time, man? This is, this is, this is really real. Um, just on his thoughts and what he got from the, from the books he was reading and the challenge that he was going on. So I said, yo, I mean, certain people, that I know have good energy, have deep and real authentic stories, but also are doing good work. 
I just have to keep in touch with and continue to build those relationships. I know I've been talking about it all, all in the podcast this, this year about the power of building and not just building relationships, but maintaining them, man. So I'm just glad to finally have him on the show, give his expertise, share his story, but also talk about this real estate movement. We talking about wholesaling this show. So y'all get excited because y'all get, y'all went crazy when Kendra Barnes came on the podcast and talked about just her methodology about real estate. But this show is going to be a little different, still in the real estate bucket, but we talking still all in about wholesaling. So I can't wait to introduce my brother. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Milan Johnson to the Minority Trouble as a podcast, man. Welcome to the show. My man, my man, G Hill. Appreciate you having me on here, man. It's a blessing. It's a, it's a privilege. It was a blessing to meet you. Definitely happy about the 30-day challenge and everything you put together. Again, just to allude to you shouting out Sam Lucas. He's the man. He brought us together. Uh, and we wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for him. So shout out to him. And I'm happy to be here. No doubt, man. And what, when when Sam, first of all, how did like Sam reach out and say, hey, about the 30-day challenge? He said, hey, you should join this. So like, what kind of context did he give you? And then two, what made you make the immediate decision? Because I ain't gonna lie, I got people that have been listening to this podcast for 80 episodes. And no offense, I love them to death. But they was hesitating on stuff. They hesitating on mastermind group. They hesitating on stuff that could really change their life. So what made you, you didn't know me from nothing. So what made you, A, what he sent you? And what made you confirm and um, even begin this journey? So when when it first came abroad, what happened was he called me and he said, hey, Milan, I'm about to start this 30-day challenge with this guy named Greg Hill. He said, Greg Hill's killing it. I think he's the next best thing coming up in the motivational speaking realm. And he, he believed you were going to do big things moving forward. So, but more importantly, it's kind of the power of like your circle and and the trust you have in the people that's around you. So if Sam, for example, comes to me with anything that he's excited about that uh, he thinks makes a lot of sense just off of our relationship and and how I believe in him and I trust his judgment, I'm already more in, almost all in, just off the strength of our relationship and, and me trusting his judgment and what he knows and brings to the table. So with him being all in, it was e- it was an easy yes for me to join just because of that circle and our relationship we have and how much he believed in you. Man, that's that's crazy. And to, to add to that, one, I want to shout out Jasmine Gurley. I know she's listening out there, ATL, because there's things that, like there's certain people where if they, they, they refer something to you, you gonna like you gonna look at the website, you gonna back check, you gonna get references because you like I don't even know about this dude. But me and Jazz, Jazz, anybody she refers to on the episode, any books that she says, oh go buy, I read, I I go I, like immediately I stop what I'm doing and I go buy. And this most people in my life where as long as it, the cost and exorbitant, nine times out of ten they say I should read something, I should join something, I should do something. I'm all in with it. Just even Chelsea Williams, like and the thing thing is. I don't even know Chelsea Williams like that. Like, I know she, she's she been on the podcast, but I respect her content. I respect her energy. And she retweeted something about uh, my boy, Michelle, Mikael Clark. He has a book called Keeping 100. Shout out to Mikael Clark. She retweeted his book. And just off the strength of she retweeting it, I went ahead, bought the book. 
I reached out to do, ended up having dude on the podcast and just continue to cultivate those relationships. So um, I'm not even going to give a point out there because I think y'all got the message. But what we're going to do every single show, we always start a, a side note. I forgot to tell y'all it's going to be a legendary show. I already feel it in, in my energy. So um, <laughs> before we even start the show, Milan, man, share us with a quote or a mantra that you that you live by and share us a story about how you applied that quote to your everyday life over the last month. Okay, so uh, I, I'm pretty sure I told you this one already, but there's a quote by Jim Rohn, and uh, it just speaks volumes to how I live my life. And it goes, um, "You can work hard on your, you can work hard on your job, and you can earn a living, or you can work hard on yourself, and you can and you can earn a fortune." So to me, that just speaks volumes to to where success where success comes from, really, and it's personal development. It's the books you read. It's the conversations you have, uh, the people you surround yourself with, the podcasts you listen to, um, the motivational speakers that you listen to. So the more you apply <clears throat> and work on yourself, I just believe the bigger, the badder, the stronger you become. So when life hits you with as many obstacles that life can and will hit you with, you're built for it. You're, you're, uh, it's like a, it's like a pro athlete working out to get ready for the field. If he doesn't work out and build his body up to be as big and strong as it can be, when he gets on the field, the first hit he takes, he's out the game. It might be over for a season. Mm -hmm. But when he's in the gym, he's pressing hard. He's running. He's, he's doing everything he needs to do to prepare himself for life, you know, as the quote and the analogy I use for football. Then he'll be ready for those hits. He'll be able to withstand the obstacles, the storms that comes. And with that, in my opinion, uh, nothing can stop you but you. Just put the work in on yourself and the results will always be rendered at the end. Man, I love that. And every quote is usually, it starts off in theory, but then there's the action piece of it. So take us through over the last month or a month and a half or so when you were hit with a semi-obstacle, but you were, you were able to push through it and make something of it. So I would say in the last like month to six six weeks, even two months, there hasn't been a lot of obstacles. The obstacles kind of happened beforehand. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had a uh, I had a rehab where I bought it for thirty three thousand. And when you say and rehab, because remember this, some of the audience is not familiar with uh, real estate lingo. So um, we're gonna get into that. But when you when you say rehab, like break us down what a rehab is. So when I say rehab, I mean to acquire the property and to renovate, put money into it and mm -hmm. sell to a retail buyer uh, as a finished product. So I bought I bought a property like that for thirty three thousand. And initially, my ARV, my after repair value was around two hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I'll put about 80 grand into it. I'll be all in for one ten, one twenty. I'll sell for two hundred. So. Just and I'm just bringing up an obstacle that was recent. That property ended up costing me 140 grand in in construction cost alone. So 140,000, well 142,000 plus 33. Now we're 145 in plus I mean 175 in plus the 10,000 lender fees I acquired from the loan that I have from a private lender of mine. I'm 185 in with an ARV of about. Two hundred thousand. So at that point, at that point, this property is a loss because at two hundred grand selling prices, it'll be about 
15 to 20 grand in closing costs. So that already puts me, I'm losing on this property. So I just was able to muster up, uh, get everything done. And although it wasn't the big profit that I expected it to be, uh, I still was able to make it out, uh, make out maybe 10 grand or so on the profit side. Um, and then it's just a lot of other properties weren't going well, but I ended up liquidating everything I had within the last six weeks. And that's why it's been pretty good the last six to eight weeks. I've made 50 or 60,000 uh, just liquidating everything. And it's, it's been it's been pretty good ever since. Man, that's that's phenomenal. And what I typically do is jump right in. I take it back to where it all started. But you already talking that real estate talk. So I, I guess we should go ahead and jump right in because I know the audience that I know. Yeah, I, I want to go ahead and hit it while it's high. And then we'll backtrack to where it all started. Because matter of fact, let's do it like this, right? Right now, first of all, how old are you? Twenty-seven. It's tw- wow, I you're twenty-seven. So, when when did you when when did you get into the real? Matter of fact, let's do it. Let's do it the normal way because I really want to build this context. And for my audience, if you look in the show notes, if you want to skip to the real estate part, I will have the section and the no notes where you can go where you can go to. But I I always specifically when I'm talking about people that are making some some real solid revenue, but also have some solid losses, I like to really paint the whole holistic picture. So that when we lit, when we talk in this talk, you don't be like, "Oh, this can't happen to me," or "Nah, I'm, I'm I don't right. know enough to do this." So let's right, let's go right. all the way back, man. First of all, where you from? Uh, where'd you grow up in? Was a single parent household? Like, break us down to the beginning. So, uh, born and raised Columbus, Ohio. Uh, always was been extremely big in sports, uh, football in particular. I uh, went to high school. At, uh, School called Eastmore Academy. Shout out to Eastmore Academy, by the way. Ten years ago, from when I was in school, they're back into the playoffs, making a state title run. Uh, but I played football all four years. Um, I was the quarterback. Went to the state championship game. We lost, unfortunately, but it was a hell of an experience. From from Eastmore, um, well, let's back up even a little further. I come from a single parent home. My mom, Shannon Johnson, raised me. Uh, and she was young. She had me at 15 years old and, uh, she didn't know what she was doing. It was, you heard the term babies making babies. She, she didn't know any better and she was still learning as she went. But one thing she, she did for me, and I encourage every, every parent to give their child is unconditional love. Um, unconditional love goes further than any material thing you can give a child. Um, so unconditional love. She always instilled confidence in me, and she always made sure I was well-mannered. And those are like my main, three of my main takeaways from what I I could ever learn from her, Um, along with a lot of other things. But to fast forward from there, um, yeah, I played played football. I ended up earning a scholarship to a school called University of Charleston in West Virginia. I went on there to play football as well, and I was a knucklehead, though. So... I couldn't get right. Grades were bad. Um, I lost my scholarship my second year. I had to go back home. So, from so if you home, mind sharing, so you mind sharing, uh, what happened? How'd you lose your scholarship? So, um, my first semester. So in high school, I was just I kind of got by. I was always the cool. I was always a cool dude, and the teachers liked me, and I was good in sports. I didn't work as hard in the classroom as I should have in high school. And I tried to take that same mindset to college. 
but it's not the same in college, especially at a Division two school. So uh, my grades, my grades suffered, and uh, that first year I didn't have the grades to to be eligible for my scholarship for the second year. Now there's also more story behind it, but the moral of it is I didn't take care of business, mm-hmm. so I lost my scholarship. I stayed there the second year because um, I was able to receive some grants and things like that, but it just didn't. It wasn't the same because I couldn't afford the school. New coaches came in. It was just a mess, really. So I came home, and you kind of get back into what you know when you get home. So if you're around drug dealers, that's what you'll end up doing more times than not. If you're around doctors, uh, you'll aspire to go back to school. If you're around real estate investors, you'll want to do that because from from the ripe age of like one or two, I'll say two years old, we understand that money is important mm-hmm. very early, very early on. So you, as you get older, you do what your environment suggests you do to get the money you want. So I came home and I sold drugs. Uh, and with that being said, I always knew that deep down, that's not what I wanted. I, I knew it wasn't for me or, or what I should be doing, but it's, it's what I knew. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of my friends my friends and my roommate at the time, he was killed. He was stabbed to death. And that right there even resonated even more. But even to go, it's always, death has been a part of my life too. And it's always why I knew it wasn't for me. My uh, my sister's dad, which was the man who raised me and was my role model, he was also killed when I was 18 or 17, my senior year in high school. Uh, so that made me want to do something different. Then my roommate dying that made me want to get into real estate. So I bought a course from a guy named Mark Witt. Real, real quick, let's let's stop right there, man. Because um, I don't want to dwell too deep on it, but how how do you believe specifically that shaped you? De- seeing death so at a young age, like so the first one, somebody that, that raised you was a very focal part, a focal, focal part of your life. But then, but also the second one where, as somebody that's close close to you, y'all was in the same game, and it's like, hold up, roommate. It's something you saw somebody you saw every single day, and that that is gone, man. It was, it was like it was just really it was a it was a gut check. It was a reality check. Um, it's there's things that go on in your life that make you realize, like you you heard the same heard the term, like you feel alive, like this is real, like my friend was gone and. It was it was decisions he had made. Uh, so for me, I'm like, I don't want anything to do with that lifestyle at all. It's, all I know from it is death and, and a little bit of money. Uh, so when he died, you have you have rash, you make rash decisions and you have impulse actions. And uh, I bought a course right on the spot from a guy named Mark Witt. And how much you pay for it? I paid two fifty for that course, I believe. Two hundred fifty dollars. Yep. Okay. So and how long was the course? The course was maybe 30, 40 pages, 50 pages. I can't even remember. I think I let a buddy get it. Um, and from that course, I still took no action. I, I got to be honest. I read it. I was, I was high on emotion from my friend dying. Once those emotions died down, I went back to what was easy. I went back to what I knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and then... In question, uh, how, was the, how was the course set up the first course you ever bought was it just like a book was it just like five modules 
it was it was in book form. It was uh it was chapters. It was um, I want to say case studies and examples, things like that, to kind of let you know what course of action to take. Mm-hmm. But still, I, I took no action with it. I went back to what I knew. So what dawned on me was I got these big, lofty goals and dreams for myself because I think so highly of myself. But subconsciously, if you don't feel like what you're doing is right for you, you'll never reach what you really want because deep down you feel what you're already doing is wrong, if that makes sense. So I knew I didn't want to sell drugs. I knew I didn't want this life for myself, but I wanted these million-dollar goals. But subconsciously, I wasn't I wasn't fulfilling what I thought was right. So I wasn't reaching my goals. I didn't want to do what I was doing. I just made a decision one day. I bought another course, and I told myself by no, by whatever means I have to do, I'm going to change my life, and I'm going to go after what I do want. Mm-hmm. So I bought another course, and this course is forty dollars or fifty dollars, very cheap. It was an ebook online, and I paid a thousand dollars for an over the phone mentor for six months. Okay. Uh, we spoke once every three weeks. And to tell you the truth, the more we talked, the shorter our conversations got, the less value I got from that $1,000 mentorship over the phone. Nevertheless, she did give me a little bit of confidence moving forward and getting started because she told me, what, do this, do this, do this, do that. And I, I'm, I'm a person who believes every, every strength is also a weakness and vice versa. I can be a gullible person, but to my strength, it doesn't take me. It doesn't take much for me to be a believer. So once she told me to do this, do that, and do this, once I seen signs of it, it being real, I was already hooked because I knew it was possible. That makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's so let's let's stop right here, right? So so the artist can see where you're at. Okay, we were we were in the we were doing we were in the drug game. We left that. We we bought the two hundred fifty dollar course. We were inspired for a second because I know many of you listening right now. Y'all been inspired for a second. You did the thirty day challenge, or you did this master class. You did this. You inspired. You pumped up. You want to be a speaker. You want to be an author. You want to uh, write a book. You want to do all this stuff. Want to start this podcast. And some of you may have already started, and then like you just kind of stopped. So you stopped. Then you said, "Oh, I'm gonna give it one more shot. I'm gonna hire this coach. I'm gonna do this." So at this point, did you start actually? Like, when, at what point did you actually start? doing some of the things in real estate? Uh, either end of March or very beginning of April of 2015. Okay. So. I uh, I bought her course. I paid her that $1,000. And I immediately started taking action. Mm-hmm. So what was the first couple of actions? I don't know. We just giving y'all snippets today. I'm going to be real. We just giving y'all snippets, high level, like still in the gray, in the woods stuff, but we're going to give y'all snippets, man. So, for all my people that are like, okay, tell me more. Because you, you talk some big numbers at the beginning. So I know people are like, yo, tell me more. Like, what do you get in the game? You came in the game with how much money? I think I had Around. about seven. I think I had about $7,000 to start off. Okay. So you start off with seven. You got this course. So what? where did you start? Um, Like, what was my initial engagement to real estate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after I paid her, um, I spoke to her. And she said... Get a get a one eight hundred number. The one for me, everybody's different. Some people like local. Uh, the one eight hundred numbers work for me. So establish credibility. Get the one eight hundred number. Get an LLC because you don't want to buy a house in your uh, in your legal name, in your government name. Uh, get uh, scour the neighborhood for what 
where where are investors buying houses? What zip codes? What areas are they buying houses in? And then get a PO box. And then get a PO box. And then from there, you want to after you scour the neighborhoods, mail to them. You either can you can comprise your own list and build it yourself, or you can buy a list from one of the many sites that offer uh, offer lists for real estate investors, and then mail to them. So a lot of people, a lot of people think like you you buy into a mentorship and then boom, they're gonna they're gonna walk me to success. But that's just the beginning. You still have to spend money on marketing. And what I've learned from the very beginning is uh, the most important part of your business is marketing. Mm-hmm. Without marketing, people don't know you're in business. And if they don't know you're in business, they don't know that you even have a product to sell. So that's what I began doing, sending mailers, posting signs, researching, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to build as much traction and momentum as I possibly could moving forward. That's real, man. So what was the first time that you started? What was the first kind of negotiation or the first thing that actually big? Because and then how long did it take for the first for the first thing to actually happen? Because we I know we talked about it on the phone, but I really want to paint the picture by you telling the story. So when you when you say that, do you mean like my first conversation with the seller or like my first possible deal that I was gonna have? Talk to both. Because I think that's really important that we talk about our first conversation because a lot of times you may be nervous, you don't know what to say, and you just in there with the wolves. And then talk <laughs> about your first uh, your first time actually having something that may actually potentially work out. Okay, well, there, it's a few different cases. So first getting started, I went to a house in a, a rough neighborhood. And when you don't know, when you don't know what you don't know, you just don't know. So I go to this house, I got on these khakis. I got on like a uh, like a three button up, three button shirt, and <laughs> I got a notepad. I got a whole a whole the whole shebang. Everything you think you need to walk through a house. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, those things just don't matter as much. But I walk into a house. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I took pictures. Didn't know what I was looking for. Didn't really know how to sway the conversation. And I ended up getting a house from the guy for like nine or ten thousand. But it was a bad area. It was a bad house. I didn't know how to market to, to really find buyers for this house. And the deal fell through. And I didn't feel bad about it at that time because I told you I was gullible. I was already a believer. I just knew I didn't know enough to perform at that time. But I had the formula. So another deal moving forward, about three or four months into the business, I get a deal where it's possible for me to actually make some money on. And at the time, I, again, I still didn't know. But I walked through this guy's house. He has two houses. And I'm like, man, I can make money on these. These, This could actually work. I know more at the time. I still got my khakis on three, four months in. But I still, I, I know a little more. I'm a little bit more confident. And the moral of that story is I didn't get that deal either, Greg, because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was only going to make about 3000 which at the time, I mean, that's my first deal. I didn't care if it was $100. Uh, but I could have made more money. It's just the, the ignorance, the not knowing of what's going on. So at that time, that's when I started reading books. And to me, that's where it all changed, reading books. I'm a big advocate of reading books and, and motivational speeches because the reason I turned to that, Greg, is because they say they say successful people read books. And at the time, I wasn't successful. What I was doing wasn't working. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I'll turn to something else. Let's try something else because keep doing the same things, getting the same results. We all know that's insanity. So 
it was a guy who gave me a book called The Slight Edge by Jeff Austin back in 2011. I never read the book, but for some odd reason, I just always kept it with me. So when that time came in June or July of 2015, that's the first book I reached for. And that book completely changed my life. It changed my mindset, changed my thinking. And if it wasn't for that and reading books, I wouldn't be here on this podcast with you because moving forward, it's so hard that you're going to have times where you want to quit. But because of my mindset, my mindset shift and things like that, I was able to, you know, fight through it. And then I got my first deal. Uh, I want to say October 31st, 2015. So started with $7,000. It took me seven months to get my first deal. And my first deal was $7,000. And it's, it's seven's my favorite number. So it's kind of weird, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And, that, and that's just kind of how it all played out. And then even from there, it's, it still was hard for a long time after that first deal. So after the first deal, when was the next, when was the, the first big, would you say? Cause I mean, I know I'm looking like four, seven grand. That That's a big deal as well. But all right, like, okay, you got the seven grand deal. Um, it's been, it's, a, it's, if it's in October, so it took about eight months to get that's the first deal, seven grand. Cool. So what was the, what was the next couple months like going into the next year? And what'd you learn? What did you learn from the first, what did you learn from the first deal? That allowed you to make the the biggest transition on the second deal, but actually, I'm I'm, I'm wild in this podcast. Take a step back, <laughs> break down before you even get there. What is wholesaling? Because we didn't even address that. Like, so break it down to a simple concept for those that are listening. And they, you hear they hear these numbers, they hear what you're talking about. But can you break down for us what wholesaling is? That that's that's a very simple but great question. So wholesaling is essentially. You are the middleman. I mean, that's exactly what it is. You're the middleman and you're bringing people together and you're making money for connecting people. It's simple as that. You find a house for a good deal through your marketing, your signs, your mailers, the referrals, whatever it may be. You get that house under contract. So once the house is under contract, you have what they call equitable interest in this property, meaning you have a you care about what happens with this property basically so then you sell that you sell your contract this is a traditional wholesale an assignment of contract you wholesale it to an end buyer who's going to rent it out who's going to who's going to renovate it uh, who's going to hold on to it whatever their plan is it, it doesn't matter but you're connecting people and you're you're making a fee in the middle there also is what you call a double close and a double close is when you, find, you bring money to the table, you actually close on the house that you found, and then you, uh, within 30 minutes, you hurry up and resell it to an end buyer. And those are only, those are only, you only do double closes as if some people, they're, some people does it differently, but for me, anything over 8,000 profit, I double close. Anything under 7,000, I, I make sure I have an agreement with the end buyer that I'm just going to assign this and we're going to move forward for me just connecting you, uh, for, for connecting you and the seller. Mm. So one, when you first start off with no contacts, no database, one, how do you find sellers? I mean, how do you find the people with the bread? How do you find the, the people who are going to buy the house from you? Yeah. So what I did was, uh, so you can do Craigslist, uh, put an ad on Craigslist, Craigslist saying you, you're a wholesaler, you have properties for sale. Um, you can call the We Buy Houses signs that you see around your neighborhood. 
you can post signs all throughout the neighborhood saying something like handyman special, um, 400 block of main street, 50,000 call if interested. You can, you can do that. Um, you can, you can check, you can get your realtor to check for the buyers who have bought cash recently within the last three to six months. Uh, I also, I sent out mailers saying, I sent out mailers to people I believe were homeowners or bought, uh, or bought houses cash saying, I got properties for sale. Uh, give me a call, leave a message here. Let's connect. I got a great list of inventory that you may be interested in. Something along those lines. Uh, and then I always say, if you got a good deal, buyers will find you. So my main focus was always, let's get good deals. Mm. And when you say, let's get a good deal, right? So say if I'm, I have a house, I got a house in the market, I'm willing to sell it for a hundred grand. And you're coming in, you like, oh, I could probably make more. Like, how does that, what does a conversation look like with me? I'm your buyer. I'm the buyer. I got a hundred grand. Uh, I'm selling for a hundred grand. And you coming in and want the property. Like, what does that look like? If you're the, if you're the buyer? No, I'm not the buyer. The if you're the buyer. I'm the seller. Okay. You're the seller and you want a hundred grand. Yeah, I want a hundred grand. It just depends on what the house is worth. So I want to get any deal that I get, I want it to be around... I want to get it for 30 to 50 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. And the way the way I, I kind of go about that process is it's a simple formula. It's a simple formula uh, most most people start off using. And it's 70 to 75 percent of the repair value minus uh, the eight, 70 to 75 percent of the after repair value mm-hmm. minus repair costs. Mm-hmm. So. If your house, if your house is worth a hundred thousand, and automatically the most I'm willing to pay is seventy seventy five thousand if nothing is needed. Mm-hmm. But say you need thirty thousand in work, so now the most I'm willing to pay is forty five thousand. Mm-hmm. And then the way I look at that is okay, so forty five thousand. That's not what I want to pay. That's what that's the most an, an end buyer would pay. So now my goal is to get this house lower than $45,000 and then sell it for 40 to 45,000 and I'll make whatever uh whatever profit that I negotiated. So I'm trying to get the house for 25,000 and then sell it for 40 to 45,000. Mm, gotcha. And you make you make the difference. And I know I remember we talked about on the phone after the first one, your next big one. Break us down your next big deal after your first one and how long how long did it take <clears throat> so the term big deal is that's a relative term yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh first getting started off seven thousand was a huge deal yeah pff, yes, and then, yes sir yeah that's a huge deal for me at the time <clears throat> so i didn't get another deal for three months mm-hmm. and then that deal was 12 or 1300 and then I didn't get another deal after that for another two months. I think that was thirty three hundred. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then after that, my my biggest deal to date after that one was like eight thousand um, dollars. Wow! So it go from and that is so basically you start off eight months in, you make seven grand, boom! You got a feeling like yo, we in here in three yeah. months. It's like hold up, thirty three hundred. Okay, I can do that, but that's still eh. and then it's like thirteen hundred after two more months. You like whoa. And then a whole year's went by, and then that. How much is that for your, for your first year in business? How much is that? Uh, 
That's around like 20-something, right? I would say, I would say, just for example, just just my first 23 months, I made $29,721. Wow. Twenty in twenty-three months. I that's poverty. That's less than poverty. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and at the time, I think I had I had fourteen deals in twenty-three months, and I only it only equaled twenty-nine thousand. No, it might have been nine deals. I had nine deals in twenty-three months. Mm-hmm. Nine deals in twenty-three months it equaled twenty-nine thousand seven hundred twenty-one dollars. Wow. So, I would say 90% of the world would have quit by then. So what kept you going? There was no going back, Greg. I made a decision. I made a decision that I was going to do this, and this was, this was what it was going to be, and there was no other options. I was too invested at that point. I was too invested to look back. Mm. And then before you move past this, what was your day-to-day routine at that point? Like, what, what, what was a typical day? I know that's a bad question because there's no typical day probably. You're, you're, but what was a, a normal day of what, uh, how you moved? So, uh, again, I always said just personal development is the most important thing. So, for me, I would get up at about 6 in the morning and immediately I would pray. Immediately. So, as soon as I prayed, the second thing I would do is I would cut on something motivational uh, because I heard Les Brown says, get something, get some good words in you within the first 20 minutes of being awake. So pray, listen to something motivational. Um, I would then, you know, brush my teeth, do that whole, do that whole one, two. Then I would meditate for about five minutes. So after I meditate, I would go straight to the gym. From the gym, I would come home, shower, eat a little breakfast, and then I would read right away. So my first two to three hours of every single day was dedicated to myself and my development moving forward. And then moving after that, I would just, I would look for deals. I would, I would, I would do follow-up calls. I would send mailers. I would post signs. Just whatever I felt I needed to do to get to my goals. Mm. So now we two years in, we make 14 grand a year. You are still surviving because low key you can really still live li- and live decent if, if you not if your expenses ain't crazy with fourteen grand, um, well, right? No, that's rough. It, it, it's gonna be rough. Uh, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. It's, poss- it's, it's rough. gonna be rough though. <laughs> it's rough, boy. <laughs> so, uh, twenty three months in, it was rough. So let's just. It's reversed just a little bit. Okay. Uh, I had a seller, and at the time, I'm, I mean, I ain't making no money. I'm not making much money, so I'm deal to deal, every single deal. And there was a seller. He had a house. He had three houses at the time. And if I could have got his houses, I would have made, about, I, I estimated about eight grand I would have made. Mm-hmm. And I spoke to the guy. I'm like, hey, everything's ready. Um, you ready to move forward? He said, he basically said, nah, man, I don't, I, I'm cool right now. I said, I said, John, what happened? He said, well, the man's allowed to change his mind, right? I, I'll never forget that. Man's allowed, allowed to change his mind, right? I said, yeah, yeah, you are. So sitting down at the same desk in the same chair I'm sitting at now, I put my head on my desk and I'm just like, not again, man. I need every single deal. It's just been so hard. What am I not doing right? 
you question yourself. So, all right, I move on. So what I did with this same seller is I would call him. I would call him maybe once a month. Like, hey, John, it's Milan. What's going on, buddy? You ready? Mm-hmm. Basically, that's how the conversation would go. Something like that. He's like, no, nah, I'm not ready yet. Uh, I said, all right, cool. Well, is it all right with you if I call back in in, in about another month or so? He said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. No problem. So again, Milan's calling again every month on top of the month. And it got to a point where he knew it was me calling. Hey, what's up, John? How's it going? Hey, Milan, good. Good to hear from you. Said, you ready yet? Said, nope, not ready yet. But I got these three houses I might be, uh, might have coming up later. I said, all right, cool. Is it all right if I call in uh, about another month or so? He said, yeah. So long story short, I'm working this guy for, I'm working him seven, eight months, every month calling me. And mm-hmm. what ended up happening was he said, I'm not ready to sell all three of the houses, but I do want to sell one house in particular. And I got three other houses coming up through po- through probate. I said, all right, cool. Let's meet at the house. Let's figure this thing out. So I'm walking through the house with me and one of my buyers. And it clicks exactly who this man is and exactly what he has. So the three houses he has, they, they become monsters. So the house that we're in is just, it's a, it's a, it's a moving point. It's a, it's a checkpoint, basically. I didn't even care what I made on this house. I wanted to, get, I wanted to show this man I could perform. I could do what I tell, I'll, I'll tell him how I'm going to do so I can move to the big fish. So we closed on that deal. I think I made $3,200. Mm-hmm. So we move on to the big, the big three houses where I'm going to make good money. So from that point on, I'm working in, we're going through probate, we're going through the tile company, and this, these three houses are a mess. It almost fell through so many times. Mm-hmm. But I just, I had so much grit, Greg, at the time. I'm like, it's here. I'm not letting nothing stop me. I'm going to make this happen. So I just remember saying to myself, like, God, you my dude, you my God, but <laughs> God, you better go ahead and get out of my way because I ain't stopping. You can, you can try to stop me now, and then, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be deflating. But I'm going to keep coming. I'm coming. Or whoever you pray to, you can call it the universe. Get out, universe, get out my way. Because ain't nothing you're going to stop. Ain't nothing you're going to do to me that's going to make me not want to move forward, period. Mm. So uh, that's the mindset I had. So long story short, we were able to close on it. We were able to make money. uh, And that deal, that's the big deal now. That's why I said big is relative. The net profit on that deal was it was probably like 130000 on that one deal. Good so, God, just for you? No, not for me. Just net total. Okay. Before, uh, before closing costs and everything. So after closing costs and then my buddy made, uh, made almost 23000 I was able to take home 85000 in a week. Oh, yeah. oh week. my God. Yeah, 85 grand in a week. And that's the big deal that kind of catapulted me and kind of changed my lifestyle, the way I do things. And it's, it's, it's just been a blessing, man. It really has. It's just, you work, you work hard enough, long enough, the universe will get out your way. Man, so what did it feel like, right? So two years below poverty, college dropout, death all around you, drugs, all that stuff, keep pushing through. Remodeled your brain, remodeled your habits. What did it really feel like 
when you really the deal was closed and it's like, hold up. I, I just got I really got 85 bands in my bank account. That like what was that feeling? Like when you really see something actualized. Uh, I felt like a boss, Greg. I, <laughs> I felt like a boss. I did. Like, I put it on this work, and I put this work in. I put the time in. I put my thousands of hours in, my thousands of dollars in, and it was refreshing. It was to know you did the work. To be handed something is completely different to know you really worked for something that came to fruition. Um, so it was it was refreshing. Uh, it felt good, but it was also a sense of uncertainty and a sense of trepidation, if you will, because now I got all this money. And E.T. E.T. says all the time, all the time, the greatest success isn't to the greatest, the worst thing in the world isn't to uh, to fail, it's to experience success and then go back to where you came from. So that kind of hits you hard when you jump from literally, I think my bank account had a dollar or two dollars. or It didn't have much in there. It could have had change in there. And then in that same week, I've almost made a hundred grand in a week. I mean, in a month. So it's, it was overwhelming. It was, it was a lot. It was, it was a sense of arrival. Like I'm here. It, it actually worked because when you go two years in and you're not, you're in real estate and people aren't seeing you doing this and doing that people naturally start to question you, like, what is he doing? And that all that also weighs on you because it's, it's just hard, man. It's, it's, a, it's a hard, it's a hard. To start off and do anything is hard. Um, but when it's not going right, it, uh, it kind of makes you question a lot what you got going on. And, and if it's really worth it, does it work? Mm. So if you had a second... To share somebody right now that's listening to this show right now, and they're 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 in the game on something that they really feel is their calling, and it's been two, three, four, five years, and they just not seeing the results, or it's a one year they haven't seen the results, and they're like, "Yo, I'm not, I, I I can't do this no more, man. I'm listening to this podcast trying to get some encouragement, trying to get some ideas, but honestly." I just want to stop this dream and move move on. Maybe go get my other job. Maybe tuck it in. I'm not cut for it. What would you tell them right now? The one thing I would tell I would tell them is so there's there's an example there's there's the people in there's the people over in, in Africa or something like that everybody's digging for for gold and then they give up they quit the next man comes in takes up where they finishes off at and he finds the gold within a week millions and millions and millions of dollars because they quit before they before they got to the end goal so what I would say is never ever ever quit. Continue to believe in yourself. Continue to affirm yourself. And no matter how hard it gets, uh, right hand to the man, Greg, if you put the work in, you put the time in, there will always be good results at the end of all that hard work. Every single time. Sometimes it takes a year. Sometimes it takes five. Uh, but there's always the results you want at the end. Just keep grinding. Keep working. And if you notice what you're doing isn't working because you should be tracking your results, figure things out. Don't be afraid to implement something new to try to get new results because if what you're doing isn't working, it's going to continue not to work. So don't be afraid to implement. Don't be afraid to be innovative. 
but more importantly, just don't quit. Don't don't quit because there's no such thing as failure if you don't quit. It's a temporary defeat. It's not a failure until you quit, and then you can chalk it up as a loss. But as long as you're still chugging along and you're fighting for what you want, there's always still that chance for uh, for victory. So that's, that's that's the main thing I would say is just really just just keep be gritty. No matter how hard how hard it gets, just keep working. Yeah, I love that. The only thing I would add as well is at times it does help not to completely isolate yourself, but isolate yourself from the noise. So absolutely, yeah. So if absolutely. it's mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. friends, your during these times, your friends should be wondering what the hell you're doing. Where's Milan at? Where's Greg at? Where's he been? I haven't talked to him. They should think you're you're uh they should think that you're you're distancing yourself from them. But a lot of times you're not distancing yourself from them. You're just focusing on yourself. And that's important. Man, that's 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 big important. That's huge important. And I, I just want to put this personal challenge out there for those. Um I was talking to my line about the last night, and he was like, yo. Gee, when you go off the map for a couple months, man, I always, I always know that is not indicative of our relationship or the relationship you have with people, but it's to grow because I mean that's what winter is for. Why, why do you think stuff dies in winter? Like stuff dies in winter, so it can get pruned, so it can actually grow in the spring and and and, and going forward. And first of all, my biology people, I know you're listening. Don't quote me. Don't quote me. I don't want to hear no. You don't get in my emails. Well, Greg, winter is blah, blah, blah. Like, don't, don't do this. Let me, let me have that moment. But, uh, <laughs> but I say all that to say, like, it's, it, I think it's frowned upon the society of taking some steps back. And when you take steps back, people are like, oh, is everything good? Is everything good? I used to hate, I used to hate it. And I, and I love it. No, I, I love that people were concerned, but I would hate like when I'm really locked in the zone and people hit me like, yo, geez, everything good. I just want to check in. I'm like, let let me get this time. Let me get this space from around the noise because when we come back, we gonna be that much stronger, that much prepared. And 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 this here's some tips for y'all because y'all like okay, because I wouldn't just say get off social media because a lot of times you can find great information from people that you that you admire and people that are doing great things on social media. But you can start another account and just follow the accounts that you really give you the good information. Only like if you're in real estate, I'm only following real estate accounts. That's it. Or right. like speakers. That's it. I'm a, a, a separate account. That's all I'm following. So you can still get social media, but it's only stuff that's serving purpose. No friends. I don't need to see my friends going on trips. I don't need my friends. I don't need none of that. And I know you're like, well, I didn't know you don't need that motivation. You need, all you need is examples all around you on Facebook, on the books you're reading. You need to be embraced, surrounded, every morsel of your body outside of church to be focused focused on what you're trying to do. Because I, I I meet people all the time that say, hey, I want to get in the podcast. I want to get into speaking. But they're not reading speaking books. They're not, they're not listening to speakers. They're just trying to get, they're trying to, okay, I'm going to talk to this one person. I'm going to get some tools. I'm going to go. No, it's exactly. a lifestyle. Exactly. It happens every day. Mm, 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 mm. So the big question though, bro, two, one, what's the first thing you bought when you, when you got the, you got the first bag? And then two, did you keep that same energy for the like the first couple months after that you so, had beforehand? So you when I when I had the when I what what's the first thing I bought when I got the big check? Yeah. Uh I bought a house. <laughs> I bought a house. I, I bought a house like 10 days later. I didn't no car, no clothes, no trips. Uh I bought an investment property. 
And when it was it the house that you live in now, or was it a house to f- the flip? And do you do flips? Like what? So let's be clear for our people out there, because I guarantee when this hit the hot waves, you're gonna get a lot of questions about real estate, et cetera. But do you don't you, do you don't it, did you first of all was this house yours? Um, do you live in now, or and do you are you into flipping? No, that that was my first flip. So when you don't when you don't know no better, to, to right now this is my opinion. Uh, some people will disagree, but. Flipping houses, actually renovating houses, to me is the hardest way to earn money in real estate. From my experience, there may be harder ways that I don't know about, but from my experience, it's the hardest way to uh, to earn profit because it just takes takes forever. It takes takes a long time. It takes a lot of money. Uh, it takes a lot of attention to detail. A lot of managing of people. Uh, it's a process, long drawn out process. Uh, but with that being said. The house I bought after after I made the eighty five in a week, that was my first ever flip that I bought. Uh, I believe I paid, I can't remember. I think I paid thirty one or thirty two thousand for it. Uh, that was very hard. Um, nothing went right. Uh, I think I was I wanted to spend fifteen or twenty thousand on the rehab. I ended up spending I think like forty five or fifty on it. Uh, it was stressful. It was rough. It was, it was tough. Uh, but I'm always happy. I, when I pray, I pray for, I'm thankful for all the bad that happens to me in my life because there's no greater lesson than uh, hardships. So it was hard, but after that, after that flip, I, I made it through and I said to myself, well, I can do anything. I can make it through anything if I made it through that. So I just try to always find the good through everything I go through as well. But that was my first flip, and it was it was a tough one. I think it took me six months, and it should have only been three months. And I made, I think I made twenty three thousand on that one. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, wow, that's good. So what what's the typical timeline um, as as we as we as we hasten to a close? What's the typical timeline on okay first hearing a house and then selling it typically, or is there a typical timeline for a wholesale? Yeah, wholesale. So yeah, for a wholesale, the the typical timeline from when you first speak to a person, when you first ever speak to a person, if it goes smooth and they're we're ready to sell right away, uh, you can meet with them Friday. I mean, you could talk to them Friday if it's a great deal. You meet with them Friday if they have the time. If they don't, you meet with them Saturday immediately. And if everything checks out, I mean, you can be closed on that house within two to three weeks. Uh, but a lot of times it takes a little longer. Um, you may talk to a seller on Monday. You see the house on Wednesday. They think think it over or they go out of town. You go out of town. Um, but typically, I would say two to four weeks from when you meet a seller, unless you're following up. And then it may take a few months for, for you to convince them that uh, it's time to sell. Three or four months? Yeah, it could be. I've had, I told you, I talked to a guy for eight months before I got his house. But so, all right, question. Is there any softwares you use to kind of help you remind him about follow-ups, et cetera? You use CRM tools or what, what's in your toolkit right now? So Podio is the best one for it. Um, it's, you're able to, to, to label hot, hot reads, cold, cold leads, hot leads, warm leads. And then you can set reminders to, to follow up. Uh, some people are old school. I'm pretty old school. I kind of use a pen and pad still. And um, 
but I, I'll be getting away from that too. I'm hiring assistants soon, and I'll have them take care of all that. But yeah, the CRM with the podio is that's your best bet. Got you, got you, got you, man. So what's next for 2018, man? My bad. What's next for 2019? Well, the goals, the goals just get bigger. <laughs> so right now, I look at it like what I've gotten thus far is. Um, is a representation of who I've become. When I was only making twenty nine thousand, it's in two years because I haven't become the person who makes a quarter million a year. I haven't become that person yet. So now, the goals just get bigger. So it's just for me to just continue to tighten up and become the person who is a million dollar person, who is a million dollar plus earner. Because right now, I've I, to me, I feel like I haven't become that person because if I if I had become that person. I'll be making a million plus, and I'm not quite there yet. So just to continue to tighten up, um, read more books, just get back to the basics because to tell you the truth, Greg, I think 90% of people, (laughs) you experience success, you kind of just let off the pedal a little bit. Um, it's It's those other people who don't let off the pedal who they expedite their process. And... I need to be more of a robot myself because I, I, I'm human. I've experienced success because I put the work in, but you want to tighten up. You want to never let your foot off the gas. And that's what I want to just basically get back to, get back to the basics and just continue to build, continue to have lofty goals. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. Got, got to tell you the truth, Greg. I, I'm human. I fall off and we all experience those type of things. So I know with the podcast, you, you, you want real. Uh, and and that's I'm a, I'm gonna give it to you. I, 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 you fall off on that sometimes, but you always know where to get back to when it's time. Mm. And the key is just to 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 limit as many as much downtime as, as you can because you know where you want to go. Mm. So ultimately, if you I know these dreams may change. Hopefully, in a couple years is in a whole different place, but where do you kind of see yourself in this space now? When you first started, did you ever dream you'd be where you're at now? But also, too, what's the what's the long-term vision? Uh, absolutely, I, I envision myself being here. Um, that's that's the affirmations and meditation coming into play. It's, it didn't surprise me because I knew it was coming. Uh, but as a long-term play, I'll do real estate. I'll do real estate for the rest of my life. Um I'll continue to wholesale because I, I believe in I believe in active cash. I always believe in active cash. Uh, but I'm about to start getting more into rentals moving forward for 2019. Um, the goal is to wholesale 100 houses to acquire at least 10 rentals in 2019. Um, and then I'll, I'll probably do three flips or something. I'm not, as I said before, I'm not big in the flips, but yeah, the goals just get bigger, but I'm focusing more on what I'm good at. Mm. And I'm good at wholesaling, and that's that's going to be the focus. And, uh, and myself, getting back to myself. Man, I love that. Two things that I got from it, and then we're going to go to culture change route. One, I think it's critical in 2019 that everybody really does, like, take time. Because we, 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 we spend so much time, especially people in the— I'm, this is for my people in the personal development space, Right. The people that love personal breathing. We spend so much time trying to become, uh, build better relationships, trying to build better finances, trying to do a lot of great things that are great for the culture. But a lot of times, just specifically just loving ourselves, 
in understanding ourselves, spending time alone with ourselves, growing, because you can read every book in the world, you can read every verse, you can do a lot of stuff for the culture and be a better, more robust businessman, better, better husband, better this. But if you're not in love with yourself, excited about who you are, it can, it can be a tricky slope, specifically once you hit certain success measures. Right. So I, I just really want everybody to spend 2019 loving. I'm talking about absolutely figuring out ways to love yourself more. And I know that sounds real meta because I guarantee you that's what he said some deep throughout the whole podcast theme. I'm telling you, when you love yourself more, the way you walk, the way you talk, the energy around you, the way the world moves and shapes around you, it's so much more different than right. when you're doing the same exact things, but you're not loving yourself. That's why when you get stuff, you like, ah, oh, I don't, I don't feel, I need to do more, or this is Absolutely. not my calling. But it's like, no, you love yourself and you'll get to your calling. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And honestly, there's we could we could take this, we could we could talk for hours about this, but I really just wanted just to get a little nugget because to be real, I'm gonna keep it a thousand. If you enter the house, right? Mm-hmm. And you open the door and you see a young man, but you don't you can't really see his face. But all right, you walk you walk down, there's a chair right there. You sit down in the chair, and then a young man turns around, but the young man is actually you, but it's yourself 10 years ago, and you had three minutes to talk to him. What would you tell him? That's a good question, Greg. Huh? Um, I would, I would tell, I would tell a younger me is to really. This may sound cliche, but like choose your decisions and the people you surround yourself with wisely, um, because people don't realize every single thing you do. It, it plays a role in your future moving forward. So, for example, a lot of people, they say, I could just have this one cookie because it's just one cookie. But then that one cookie turns into another cookie, then another cookie, then another cookie. So just understand just the, the power of com- compounding effect and just realize everything you do, every decision you make holds weight. So choose it wisely. Always be worried about um, doing better, being better, and you kind of always will be. You kind of always will do better. It's just, it's always put yourself first in a lot of instances. Mm. Always put yourself first in a lot of instances. I, I, I believe in being selfish because you can't do for other people if you haven't done for yourself first. Mm, that's, mm, that's a word, bro. That's a word. And then the last question, too. When it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? I actually have that written down. Um, I want to be remembered as a, a, a loving, caring, giving, uh, philanthropic person, just a, a very kind individual, um, a person who wants more for others than sometimes they seem to want for themselves. And uh, I want to leave that behind. Like I did great work for people. I did great work in my business. Uh, and I left a, a lasting impact on people uh, from where I come from, people from all over. Um, and I want I always I want people to look at me and say, if Milan was able to do it, then I can do it, too. Um, and, you know, naturally, people look at a person doing something a lot of times. And that person says, huh, he did that. 
I'm better than him. I can do that. I don't mind being that person. I, I want to be that person that people look at and say, like, damn, I'm better than Milan. I can, if he can do it, I can do it. Because at the end of the day, I just want better for people. And I know people are capable of more than what they know that they're capable of. So if they can take that from me, uh, I, I, I'll be happy to walk away from this earth with that. Mm, say no more. So this is the rapid fire round. I got a series of five rapid fire questions. Hopefully I get rapid fire answers. You ready to go, man? Uh, I'm ready. <laughs> what's the piece? Uh, what's the best piece of advice that you have never received? Don't give a goddamn, and I said got g o t damn <laughs> about what other people think or say about you. Period. They don't help pay bills, and at the end of the day, I quote the book Jeff uh, Slight Edge a lot. He, when people go, when you die, the average amount of people go to your funeral is about ten people. People just don't care. So why would you care about what they think while you're alive? Another quote is, if you realize how fast people forget about the dead, you wouldn't care about what you said or what they said while you're alive. Oh. I heard that, Wolfo. Hey, Malone, I'm about to steal it. I'm going to give you credit. I got to steal it. I already, I already know how that's going to end on the keynote. I'm sitting there, I'm looking them dead in their eyes like, yo, I already know, I already pitched it, yo. If yeah. you know, if you, if you know, I'm going I'm to whisper it. Oh my God, oh my God. Oh, you crazy. <laughs> hey, for real, bro. If you knew how fast people forgot about you when you died, Dang, you would, bro, you would hurt, not care hurt. about what they thought while you were alive, bro. My brother, my brother, my brother, my brother, dog, <laughs> dog, that, 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 that boy, boy, hey, y'all need to, hey, put your cash app on this thing, y'all need to go ahead, and throw it, throw it, throw that, give that man some love, show that man some love out here just for that right there, oh man, all right, cool, cool, <laughs> if you can, <laughs> if you can add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be? If I could add one habit and take away one habit, what would it be? Um, had a habit and take a habit away. I go out a lot. I, I like to drink and I go out a lot. Um, I would 100% substitute that with, with developing myself more. 100%. 100%. That, that, that would expedite my process to where I want to be even more. 100%. Mm. Mm. Love that, man. What is your big, what's your favorite book and why? I would say I've got two favorite books and Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. That was the first book I told you I read. It's been the most life-changing. Um, and then I would also say You Were Born Rich by Bob Proctor. Uh, those are two phenomenal, phenomenal books on... Man, I've never read that. I never read that. You Were Born Rich. You Were Born Rich by Bob Proctor. It's uh, a game changer? Game changer. It's all about mindset and how you move forward and um, just how you how you go about life and things like that. It's Those are my... Those are two of the first three books I've read and to this day, they're still, they're still my favorites. 
Mm, love that, love that, love that. Uh, what is your biggest fear? Oh, my biggest fear. I, I hate to say it, but to kind of, because it, it won't happen, but nevertheless, it's still, I would say, fear. To kind of revert back to the lifestyle and the revenue that I once had. To go from a six-figure earner to losing everything, um, that's a fear. But I don't, I don't put much thought into it because I do believe the things you worry about the most come to fruition. But again, nevertheless, it's still it's still a fear. Mm, that's real. And the last question before we wrap these things up and I go to my final, final one. If you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? And you're asking good questions, Greg. Questions I've never thought about. <laughs> and, hey, well, that's what happens when you're 100 episodes in, boy. That's, well, that's why we're here. If I were the president, first thing I would do I'm going to have to be honest and say, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the first thing I would do is, Greg. I think that's a it's a it's a job that none of us understand the true severity and how how big and deep that job really is. Um, you, you could say something like I would want an understanding from the people. Uh, there's 300 million people. There's not going to be an understanding for 300 million people. Uh, we're all going to have differences. Um that's a tough question. You you debunked me with that one. No, that's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's power, big power, about being and understanding when yo this ain't this ain't my question. This ain't it. And then moving on, it ain't that deep. Like I was talking about um, about relationships with my boy um, last night. He was like, yo, we. I I, I think I had so much problems with commitment because at times in my life because I was acting like, yo, if I committed with a chick and it didn't work out, then that was it. I was like, yo, gee, like if it don't work out, just don't work out. And it's, it's just right. that simple. It, it ain't like, well, I, I don't, I shouldn't, it, uh, no, stop, stop all that, bro. If it don't work out, it don't work out. Continue to move on. Period. Uh, period. Like period. And, um, but there's a lot of other stuff to that. So, so women don't, don't email me like, oh, what you mean? You don't know the collateral damage you did. I didn't. Right, but you ain't even going that route today. We had the podcast with my boy George, uh, episode 99, <laughs> and we went deep into that thing. So y'all had y'all day, all right? But today ain't the day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we always close because everybody that comes on this show, we done with the culture change rapid fire round, but everybody that comes on this show is a culture change agent in their own right, in their own lane. Every single person that's ever been on this podcast and every single person that's listened to this podcast, Right. So this right. question is in regards to this. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically the African-American culture, what would it be and why? Um, personally, I, I, mean, I, I might get a, a backlash for this, but I think we have the tendency to be victims a lot of times. Uh, and I understand we have been a victim for a long time. But moving forward, I think you kind of need to get out of that mindset in order to um, to transcend and, and and do the things that we can do because we're the most powerful being on planet Earth, and there's no reason for us to to victimize ourselves moving forward, knowing that we are the most powerful. Um, and I think we make a lot of excuses for ourselves. Mm. See, I, I was going to take it up. 
even another article. I had a message on that, but I think there's been enough messages on this podcast. So it, it, we, don't, we don't even go to, we don't even need to go to 10. We've been at nine the whole podcast. You, my friend, has just <laughs> delivered a legendary show, man. Let's clap it up for him. I know the trouble is the nation. <laughs> I told y'all, I told y'all, we didn't even go because y'all know I, I done been on this podcast 90 minutes, two hours. We didn't even get you the whole hour and a half, boy. We got you out of here in less than an hour and a half. So make some noise for your boy. Make some noise for your boy, man. So where can people find you at online if they have any questions, want to hear more about you, all that good stuff? Uh, I'm on Instagram at Milan, M-A-L-O-N underscore C-E Holmes. I'm also on Facebook, Milan Johnson. Word, word, word. So uh, I want my Minority Trailblazer Nation to, to hold me down. I, I want y'all to hold me down. I want y'all to hold me down because this is what's going to happen. When this, by the time this Relesso episode drop, we gonna have more than just an Instagram account to share people to get more information on. All right, <laughs> we gonna we gonna have it out there. So, my Lord Trouble Nation, I'm doing two things and two things only. One, no, actually three things. One, always keep your boy in the guests and your prayers. I I love prayers. Like put put Greg E Hill. I know the Trailblazer host. Put me in your prayers. Continue thriving, all that good stuff. Boom. Number two, if you got an iPhone, leave a review. If you got an Android, listen to it on Google Music, leave a review. Or, hey, we on Spotify now. Listen to us there as well. And number three, make sure you leave a review and change the freaking culture. Good night.